This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox after a victorious White Sox game. 5-3 to three over the Detroit Tigers. This is getting nice. Getting old hat beating Detroit. We got one more to go tomorrow, 110. But I am Herb Lawrence. That is Chris Tannehill. After this 5-3 to three victory, how are you feeling, Chris? Well, I'm doing okay, but let me ask my friend Bill Walton how he's doing. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turtle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. Yeah, that was a fun one tonight for sure. The White Sox winners tonight, they beat the Tigers by a score of 5-3. to three. Evan Marshall gets the win in relief of Dane Dunning and Matt Foster, who are great tonight. We'll get to the man of the hour, Dane Dunning, in a second. Your man, Alex Colome plus with the save tonight. These Sox are going for the four-game sweep tomorrow against the Tigers. Let me just start out by saying this. I How was work today, by the way, Herbie? I was off today because of a Cubs Day game. Herbie was not. He had to work the game. How, how was going to work today, like with the rest of the losers working? <laughs> yeah, um, the actual job is fine, but the game sucked. I hate <laughs> long, unnecessary games. It a three-hour and one-minute, seven-inning game, and then I had to work partial of that second game, so that part sucked. And Truth be told, the Cubs game, even though I messed up, I guess, beginning of the game, is pretty old hat. I'm sitting there just thinking of things to do. I'm not interested in the Cubs. I'm not a Cub hater, but right now, Cubs games are just so damn easy. I'm glad I only do a couple a year. So well, it was boring as shit. That's I, what I mean. So I, 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 wish only, we were, I wish we were doing Sox games. Well, I only frame it because I wanted to paint you a picture of what I was doing today. I spent a lot of day with my daughter today. She misses she misses daddy because mommy's working from home, so she's kind of gets lonely unless she's out playing with the neighbor kids or whatever. So daddy was around today to to hang out and watch Disney movies and do all the stuff that you know girl dads do. But we went to the playground uh, earlier this evening, and uh, I can tell you this: I can report this with a wholehearted one hundred percent. You don't have to fact check this. The pride is back because I was at the playground tonight with my daughter and a guy in a socks cap walks over to me and he goes, hey, our future ace is starting tonight. And he points to his socks cap, you know, like, hey, I got a socks cap. You got a socks cap. I was wearing mine as I'm one to do. I've got them in every variety, basically. But days like this are always exciting. You know, there's so much hope in the air when you've got one of your top prospects taking the bump for the first time. And Dane Dunning, of course, um, if you didn't catch the game, he was uh, drafted by the Blue Jays in 2013 out of high school uh, in the 34th round, did not sign, decided to go to school and play for the University of Florida. Ultimately drafted in the uh, drafted 29th by the Nationals in 2016, just uh, three spots behind uh, Zach Birdie in the uh, 
in the compensatory round. So Dunning, of, of course, is part of the trade with the Nationals. That sends Adam Eaton there, and the Sox end up getting Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Dane Dunning in return. And the irony is, of course, Zach Collins, who played his ball in the same conference he went to the U, ends up catching Dane Dunning for his Major League debut, and we'll get to him in a second. But that was just really cool that you know a guy out there who caught Dane Dunning in, in single A and double A was out there for his Major League debut, and he did all right uh, against uh, with that nasty stuff that Dunning was throwing out there tonight. So qu- quickly about Dunning. Just absolutely filthy tonight. How, how? Let's just go through his first inning, okay? First batter, he gets that leadoff double to Candelario, who ends up burning him later on. But then he rebounds quickly, which I liked a lot. He gets mm-hmm. that nasty changeup to Negro Goodrum, strikes him out on a high fastball, gets Miguel Cabrera to pop out, gets scoped to ground out to Moncada. And I just thought it was just great poise working after that you know, leadoff double when you thought, I, you know, it's funny that Benetti said it reminded him of the Lucas Giolito thing on opening day. That's the first thing I thought of, too, when all of a sudden you had, like, the family guy thing. And the season's over. But, you know, he, he rebounded. And what I liked about him is putting it all together and working quickly, too. Not, you know, just, you know, it, he didn't labor out there that first thing. He got right back to work and got right back to the process. So... Before we dive deep into his outing tonight and, and what we really enjoyed about it, just overall, your thoughts on Dane Dunning tonight. I don't know if people know this, but I'm a Dane Dunning guy. I don't say Stan because, first, let me go off on a tangent on Stan. <laughs> Stan is from the Eminem song, guys. Remember Stan killed his girlfriend and his unborn child? For Spoiler somebody? alert, I'm on the Slim Shady EP still. Spoiler yeah. alert, I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> so to say you stand for somebody means you're a fanatic who kills and beats his girlfriend. So Calm the fuck down on the stand stuff. I am a Dane Dunning guy, a big time fan of his. And I've always thought that through his minor leagues before he got hurt, that he would be the best piece of that Washington Nationals trade. Yes, the best, even better than Lucas Giolito. You know, the injury pretty much has slowed him down, but it was so awesome to see him on the mound again. And that filth he was throwing it out there and as you were saying early, adversity, making your major league debut, and to get out of that unscathed with filth is a testament to the kid. It's a testament to his stuff, and I think there's brighter days in Dane Dunning's future. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I know you was running out of gas at the end, but that is only to be expected. I am uh, very impressed by his outing. Absolutely. So he goes back top two. He strikes out Reyes on a fastball, and then he gets Bonifacio striking out on a filthy, just absolutely disgusting tight curveball. And then mm-hmm. one, two, three, right in the middle, gets the ground out to end the inning. He goes one, two, three in a second inning. And that so a little mug Macho Man right there. That's Macho Man used to say. You win them in the ring, you lose them in the ring. One, two, three, right in the middle. So, and then the Sox, of course, they get on the board in the second inning. They needed to get on the board against Casey Mize, who was filthy in his own right. And here's how they made it happen in the bottom of the second. An all-time record. And what a blast. Deep left field. The only question is a fair. Yes, sir. Home run number 12 since Sunday. And the parrot gets a ride around the base path. Tim's doing the parrot. Everybody do the parrot. Do it at home. one nothing. I was doing the parrot at home for sure. And it was just great to see him start to swing it a little bit. 
the home runs just you, we said it before last episode it's becoming a running theme here as as they keep hitting these home runs they're going to keep winning and they just inject a life into this ball club when all of a sudden you see them just launching these home runs off this good pitching and it, it's it's a great thing to see but my favorite part of that encarnacion at bat is you know stony pointed it out but I, I saw it before the camera did the replay of it but after he hit that ball out and the pitch previous he signals to himself like oh he just threw a spinner up there at me a cement mixer spinner and he does the 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 you know the helicopter mechanic with his fingers you know mm-hmm. and it reminded me of course uh, of the great Paul Herman in Goodfellas, uh, without a doubt. So the, the helicopter scene. You want to see helicopters? Come on, no, I'll show you right. helicopters. No, I've seen enough helicopters for one day, thank you. But yeah, so he sees the helicopter, the next pitch he crushes out to left field, and you, you have to love just the mind state of this team right now. They're up there, they're confident, they're they're getting good hacks, and it's actually paying off. You, you know, they, they were victims of, of bad BABIP, I think, early in the season, where... You know, we were wondering when these hits were going to start coming, and now they're they're coming, and they can't stop coming. So, oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. It's good to see from Edwin Encarnacion there. So I'm coming. Skip's coming. We're going to keep on coming. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, you love to see that from Edwin. They get on the board early. So then they give it back to Dane Dunning with the lead in the, in the third inning. And what does he do? Strikes out the side. Just absolute filth. You got him on Pitching Ninja, I think, a couple of times tonight. And, you know, I'll ask you this. So that he gets into trouble in the fifth inning. He loses control a little bit. You could start to see he's getting a little bit tired because, you know, folks forget that he's coming off the Tommy John surgery, like you mentioned. He loses control, gives up the first hit to Jones, walks Paredes, and then, of course, Jamer Candelario, who is looking to be a Sox killer early on in his career, uh, comes over with a lot of pedigree from the Cubs. Um, But I'll just ask you this. So were you in favor of Ricky sending uh, Dane Dunning out there for that inning, for the fifth inning, but before he went out there? Or were you saying, all right, let's let's ride with him. He, he's, he's fine. No, no, I was exactly like you were talking about. And like the situation last night with Dylan Cease, I wanted the kid to feel good about his first outing. Ricky probably old school trying to get the kid a win. The old traditional W had the lead going into that inning. I would have rather had the kid – yeah, fourth in, you know, fourth in you saw he was struggling, but he got out of it. It was good. And he finally, you know, got a chance to rest after the fourth inning. What I would have done if, if I was Ricky, I'd be like, man, good job, kid. It's a really good outing. I want you to feel great about your outing. Sit down right here and watch the rest of the game and chill out. We'll put well, our bullpen's been solid this year and we'll we'll protect this lead. You won't get the win. But you will have a good feeling. I think you end on a down note. You get Jimer Candelario with that home run, which I think he thought he got initially, but that was a damn wall scraper. So, like, he posted up on that shit like it was 15 rows back. And then Adam Eagle almost stole that. But yeah, I don't, I, you know, second guessing, maybe even first guessing, I was surprised he came back out. I think he had 73 pitches to start that fifth inning. I just, you know, you got to have some type of understanding of the injury he had. That is his first actual start. There's no starts down there in, in Schaumburg. He's just throwing pitches to assimilate a game to people. This is different. Game pitches are different than sim games. 
and wear and tear, all those things. He should have been taking care of his arm. He should have saw the kid was out of gas. Steve Stone said as much with his fastball kind of floating up in the zone. He said he's getting tired. It's probably a time to get him out, got out of that fourth inning, and that should have been the time he sat down. Yeah, I, you know, I could go either way on it. We talked about it last night with with the Dylan Cease thing. How I believe, like, I like when a manager sticks with his guy. But that, where you're, this is not, you know, you're com- comparing apples uh, to oranges here because Dane Dunning is, you know, like you said, first time out there off Tommy John. Dylan Cease is a young pitcher trying to learn how to, at the big league level. I could go either way on it. You know, it certainly looked like he was tired, and and you know, when you're making your first start and you got a guy like Matt Foster behind you, that's certainly seemed to be the plan all along. So why not just you know say hey good job and and we'll we'll try to keep you know stretching him out because that was the thing before this is he wasn't necessarily stretched out and it kind of looked that way tonight but the same principles that we talked about with Michael Kopech certainly apply with Dane Dunning you know, how they were going to be super cautious and bring him in slow so yeah I, I was very surprised to see him go out there for that fifth inning but uh, when it's all said and done is I think that's still a learning experience from him like he he might have to learn how to maybe save a little bit for, for later innings and not go so hard so early. You know, it, it, it's things that, that they'll work out and they'll talk about. But, yeah, you know, I, I, depending on, you know, what, what kind of mood I'm in, I can go either way on that. I, I, I'm not going to fault Ricky terribly for that decision uh, because ultimately you've, you've got an offense who can bail you out a little bit, I think. So they, they should feel good about that. So bottom of the fifth, right after that, the Sox respond and – one thing I want to point out here, we've been talking about it since, you know, when the Sox were in their struggles a little bit offensively, we were talking about the lack of energy in the dugout. So Zach Collins, who's barely played all year, we joked about him coming in the other day and warming up, uh, the, I forgot what pitcher it was, but he's basically a placeholder until James McCann puts his gear on. So listen to the sound that you hear from the White Sox dugout. Keep in mind, they're still down 3-1 to one at this point. This is Zach Collins leading off the fifth with his first hit of the year, a double. Aftermath of that derecho that rolled through. As this goes down the right field side, that's into the corner. And Zach Collins has his first hit of 2020. So I love to hear that. You could really hear that on the television broadcast, the guys in the dugout really making a noise for Zach Collins. You, you have to love it, but it seems like the tide is turning in that regard. Wouldn't you agree, Herb, that the, the, finally the, energies for, uh, on the uh, energy in the dugout is starting to, to appear a little bit? Really good to see that the guys are out there doing things. And I think we spoke about it a couple of shows ago. This is the effect of Tim Anderson. Maybe it's a chicken and egg thing, like – they're hitting because Tim's in the lineup, but the energy's there because Tim's in the lineup and they're winning, or is it because they're winning? I don't know which one is before. I think that Tim is a direct correlation to them winning and a direct correlation to them hitting. Maybe he didn't hit that much today, got a hit, got a knock, got got on second base, then got driven in by Johan Moncada right there with the mistake out there in right field by Bonifacio, I think it's all Tim Anderson. I think he sets the tone. He's the catalyst for all this stuff. And before we go on, I initially was miffed at Ricky again on a guy making his major league debut. And I know there's no Yasmani Grandal to catch him. But you're going to pair him with a rookie catcher too? I wasn't a fan of that myself. I don't know how you felt about uh, Dane Dunny throwing to Zach Collins. I was cool with that, especially they got a you know I could always check this, but do they have a day game tomorrow? They have day game tomorrow, one ten. Okay, so I don't you know. Eh. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't think much of it going into it because you're when you're talking about a guy making their big league debut, you want a comfortability factor. And I think it's important, like you're going to see a lot of these guys here, you know, pitching. You're going to see some more guys come up from Schaumburg making their debuts before this thing's said and done, you know, judging by the rate these injuries are happening. So I, I want the comfortability factor. And and maybe Dane, maybe he, he caped for him. Maybe he said, yeah, I like throwing to him. Maybe they, they liked what they saw. Uh, from from the tape they've had with with Zach Collins and Dane Dunning, I was totally cool with that. I think you've got enough offense on this team to beat the Tigers, and they proved that tonight. I, I think the I think it's the right move, you know. But I can certainly see you arguing for 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 the other otherwise, you know, having a veteran catcher out there, and maybe you'll see that next time where a veteran presence back there helps him take it to the next level. I don't think he's going to learn how to be a better pitcher per se by throwing yeah. to Zach Collins every day. So, but as far as being out there and being comfortable, I, you know, having a guy out there who he's got a little bit of a rapport with, I, I certainly don't mind having that. But yeah, it's it's a fair point for sure because people did uh, point it out before the game, and uh, Stony was on Twitter uh, even very early talking about, yeah, you guys got to realize he caught him at two levels, so there is that comfortability. So yeah, it's I, I totally see why why you would say that, and but thankfully for them, it worked out tonight. So and I think a little bit more about it too. Uh, Mr. Collins and Mr. Mize were at college at the same time. I'm sure that Auburn had faced Miami yep. a couple times. So maybe there was a comfortability there seeing Casey Mize a couple times, understanding what he provides. And he did hit lace that double off of Mize. So now I'm thinking about it a little bit more. I'm a little more, a bit more relaxed. Thanks, Tanny. Thanks, Steve Stone. <laughs> Reasoned White Sox conversation here on Locked on White Sox. So the game, this was, a, this was a real Jim Dandy of a ball game here. It was knotted up at three uh, up until the eighth inning when when the Sox need a big hit late in the ball game. Who else are they calling on but none other than Jose Abreu? Jose right field. Well struck toward the wall. Out of here. Bring him home the first hit since the fifth inning. It's off of Soto and the Sox lead four to three. Tim loves it. And we loved it too. And just, you know, Jose Abreu, he's he's coming out of his slump too. They're all hitting at the right time here. And hopefully this is a wave that they can just ride all the way until the end of the season. And hopefully that confidence keeps building for the young guys too. But right now, I know it's the Tigers, but right now it's a beautiful thing, especially late in a game like that, coming up with a big hit. Got to love it, Herb. Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, for this whole year pretty much struggling. But yesterday... Man, came out of it big time. Looks great. Looks like he's uh, re-energized, rejuvenated. And then for a late-hitting home run to give us the lead and then eventually win, I got to love it. I'm I'm a Hose fan, even though I did not want him to come back and sign for the White Sox as I thought that his skills were declining and I need this team to be going up instead of coming down. But if this is the Jose I'm going to get with the gold glove defense he's playing at first, let's talk about that. I got to give my credit to Jose Abreu. I mean, this glove fell off today on the pickoff move. I don't think that's necessarily his fault. They gave the air to Dane Dunney on that one, but his defense has been nothing uh, less than spectacular. He's been, uh, I don't know what he did in the offseason. He looks like a little bit more limber, maybe some yoga, some stretching, but he's been saving uh, runs from Yohan Moncada and Tim Anderson in particular by doing some great work at first base this year. So, Kudos to him on working on his defense and his offense is coming around. He's not bad offensively necessarily, but he's um, not the Jose Abreu that we have expected so far. But these last two days have been very promising. Soon after that, Edwin Encarnacion would add another home run of his own. 
Sox win five to three. They would never look back at that point. And it was just a nice win, a nice game, a nice welcome to the big leagues for Dane Dunning, who you would think you're going to see him out there in the ne- in the next time in the rotation. Would you not think that? Yeah, you're going to see him. One hundred percent. I'm not even thinking about like let Ronaldo Lopez do his thing down there. When he comes back, he's in the bullpen. Uh, I don't know where Carlos Rodon is. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, he's the starter now. He's he's the captain now. So exactly. he gets the the fifth rotation spot. I'm good for that. He's proven himself to be a decent starter. You know, he next time he goes through, I would like to see a strong five. You give up three earned, cool. I'm fine with him. Smooth with it. Uh, he's a rookie pitcher. I want him to learn, and that's what the White Sox need. We already talked about it. Starting pitching is, I think, this team's Achilles' heel. And they need to have this solidified by the time we get to next year. So let's get these bumps out the way. Let's get Dane Dunning going against. Well, he won't go against the Cubs. I think the next time we'll start will be on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday night. So let's get these uh, rookie bumps out the way and get him uh, into this rotation full time. Absolutely. Dane Dunning, just he has the swing and miss factor that, that we've been missing in the White Sox rotation for for some time now where it's just it's nasty stuff high spin rate ball moving in and out up and down in the zone darting across and you know uh i believe it was james fox on twitter who does a great job for future socks you heard him here on the podcast uh, last week i believe it was but you know a lot of people i think you had a back and forth with them about coop and people were shitting on coop early on in the season but you were quick mm-hmm. to point out a lot of these bullpen guys who are, are showing some promise your matt fosters who we saw tonight cody hoyer and now Dane Dunning and and James Fox was quick to point out the Charlotte Knights pitching coach Matt Zaleski is is kind of maybe the one who you could say is responsible for all of a sudden this 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 emergence of, of White Sox pitching talent, which has really been uh, a, a surprise point for me this year. I did not expect. Granted, it was because of injuries. If everyone is healthy, you may not have seen this, but I did not expect to see this amount of, of young arms coming up and, and making a difference, but not only that, making a difference, but having good stuff out there. Like that that's been a real revelation this year that you it, it's hard to not be excited about when you see these guys out there. Exactly. And I wasn't necessarily caping for Coop there. I was just saying do it with the same energy. Don't lose the intensity. If you're gonna be shitting on Coop for pitchers that didn't pan out like Ronaldo Lopez and etc you got to give him credit for the ones that are panning out, and you can't just skirt it to, oh, the Zaleski's guy's the guy. He's underneath Coop. Everybody who comes underneath Coop is his – this is Coop's pitching staff. He's been with the organization for more than 25 years. So whoever comes underneath, you must give him credit if you're going to give him blame for the ones that struggle. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's good that Zaleski has taught Mr. Foster that wicked changeup. Yeah, and Matt Foster just looks man. Still another. I'm I'm just Scoreless. waiting for the time where somebody figures this kid out. But this man is out there. It's like no, nope, yep. they ain't hitting me. And he's got he's got that veteran like savvy about him. Like he knows these people ain't hitting him. He's not scared of the moment. He wants the moment. I said it before. And that's what we yeah pitching with conviction. Yeah, what is it, 12 scoreless innings now to start his major league career? Obviously, you know, I, I haven't looked at the peripherals, and uh, but, you know, it's, it's – got to be great. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's giving up like you know contact. That's you know he's get, he's lucky with the Babip gods. Yeah, he's he's dominating out there, which is like I can't I can't believe we're seeing this. But yeah, man, it's exciting stuff uh, for the future. Now all of a sudden they look like they have options, and you don't have to put all your eggs in the Ronaldo Lopez basket for next year. And if Kopech comes back and and he struggles, and certainly that would be a big hit. But you're not totally screwed in that regard. So it's certainly promising, man. So. Good stuff to see all the way around uh, in the White Sox organization. So, once again, five to three winners tonight. It's White Sox over the Tigers going for the sweep tomorrow. Herb, I've got a question about one of the all-time great television shows of all time. I'm going to ask you here, and we'll get into some other things, too, that happen around baseball after this word from rockauto.com. Hey, folks, summer's almost coming to an end, and if you're like me, you're probably thinking of hitting the road one last time before the kids start school or before maybe you have to go back to work. But before you hit the road, you're going to want to make sure that everything in your car is running tip-top shape. And to do that, you're going to want to get all the parts you need at rockauto.com. Why go to a chain store? Those people will gouge you with prices, sometimes 30, 50, even 100% more than the exact same auto parts that you could find at rockauto.com. You see, chain stores, they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like you. But rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody and, of course, always reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear sort of like how airlines do rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login that's my favorite part of rockauto.com it's just how easy it is to smoothly navigate find the parts you need and of course no passwords required so if you're forgetful like i am no need to wait on emails confirming your password and you sit there and you forgot why you're even on the site to begin with not on rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And do this for us, won't you? Write locked on in their how'd you hear about us section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. One other footnote here that uh, I want to talk about. Um, Jason Benetti, I, I tip my I tip my fitted cap to you, my friend. Uh they come out of the fourth inning and they do socks math as they're one to do. I'm never a contestant in socks math because I watch on the stream. So I'm always late to the party on this one. But, uh, but Patrick Knowles uh, was the defending champ. And here's what Jason had to say about Patrick. And good luck to everybody to uh, try to dethrone Pinos, but he's super confident right now. So I don't know that anybody's going to beat him tonight. He's back in the game, as he said. He just he couldn't stay out of the game. He's the Avon Barksdale of Sox math. Now you had to well actually Jason Benetti on Twitter on that one, but I but anytime you can shoehorn in an Avon Barksdale reference on a White Sox broadcast, I'm all for it. Yes, I understand what he was saying, but Barksdale was never out of the game. He was always in the game. It was my man, Marlo Stansfield, that was out of the game and then you know, he got back in the game trying to shoot people on the block with a suit on or getting <laughs> shot at with the, on the block with a suit on. That's Marlo Stansfield. Probably hmm, probably my favorite villain. Mm, no, Chris Partlow is still my favorite villain. Okay, I was going to ask you, who's your who's your favorite Wire character? Uh, my favorite Wire character is Michael Lee. 
Okay, uh, yeah. 100%. I see that, yeah. I like, uh, I'm a Slim Charles guy. Um, mm. It's just, uh, just you know, I, I just love the big man out there. He always had a great line, always breaking things down. I guess because he's, he, he, he always brought the, 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 the sound logic and reasoning to the party. Like, you know, he, he had always, a code. He did have a code. On um, a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was for Joe. Um, love that part. <laughs> and then I think, but I, I'm a, I'm a Cuddy guy too. Big fan of Cuddy. Love the Cuddy mm. uh, backstory on the wire. So yeah, it's, yeah, you know, everyone likes McNulty and Omar, but yeah, I, those those are my two favorite, like sort of non like. Who, my, who did a uh, Cuddy punk? Did a fruit? What's what's the name? He uh, the dude that he uh, punked yeah. that one time. He saw him on the block. Fruit, yeah. And then fruit just sitting there, stunned that Cuddy was just <laughs> all in his face. Yeah. <laughs> That crazy Dennis Cuddy stare. Yep, love my man Dennis Cuddy. Did a great job in Walking Dead too. That was like my my wife's least favorite game is pointing out people that were on the walking or that were on the wire that eventually came out on Walking Dead. Every time there'd be a tense scene. three, right? <laughs> well, yeah, there there was Cuddy, Carver, Carver, and Still also on the show. And, and also D'Angelo. Barksdale yeah. was on there too, so but yeah, if, you know it, it's it's a, one of my favorite games. Whenever there's an HBO show, any great television show, they pluck their 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 actors from guys that have been on guys and gals that have been on The Wire, Sopranos, all the great shows, Break, Breaking Bad. They pluck from the same pool of talented actors. So yeah, that was my wife's least favorite game is saying, "Hey, did you know that he was on The Wire?" <laughs> like in a tense moment when the zombies coming out. So yeah, yeah did your guy uh, Dominic Lombardozzi wasn't he in a bunch of HBO shows too? Yeah, he was uh, not only in The Wire, uh, but he was in Boardwalk Empire. Actually, you know, he was in Entourage as well. He somehow never wound up in Sopranos. Like, somehow he, should, he looks just like Turtle's brother. Was he Turtle's brother? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Entourage. Well, no. I was was he say. was he Turtle's brother or was he Vinny's brother? He he was a family member of one of the guys. But yeah, he came. Okay. Out, yeah, but yeah, you you might be right on that one. But yeah, Dominic Lombardozzi, great guy, man. Love that guy. You talked man, to him spoke- for like half an hour on the phone after his radio interview on the score. He spoke to me for like 20 minutes about sports. Like usually, you know, hey, yeah, it was a great time. There's a couple people. There's the John Morosi who will talk to you for about <laughs> a good five minutes after your. I always have hit. to call Herb in the room because I'm like, hey, like I need you in the room so you can say goodbye to John Morosi because I don't want to miss something or miss going to break because I'm I'm chopping it up with my Midwest guy, John Paul Morosi. And then, uh, but yeah, I you know I was gonna say, hey, yeah, Dominic, man, great, great interview because it was. He was giving us great stories telling us insights about the wire and the things that he was doing on um what's that movie you just did that you guys love that i've never king, seen king of staten island yeah king of staten island and so i was like oh, okay man yeah great interview and all that stuff he's like oh man how's chicago i love that city blah 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 <laughs> chopping it up I was like yeah i grew up in new jersey and my i got this type of or new york i got this type of allegiance we used to go to Baltimore Orioles games all the time because we were filming right there. I was like, damn, the man is just talking. I was like, <laughs> let's go. And, of course, he was in a Bronx tale, too, so he was yes. talking about that off the air. And my big and thing stuff. was, you know, Moose Gowran, one of my one of my favorite guys ever in life, as uh, you as well. But I had to ask him, I was like, did you ever meet the real Moose Gowran? Because Dominic Lombardozzi played Moose Gowran in the Billy Crystal 
directed film for HBO, 61, about Roger Maris breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. And so Dominic Lombardozzi played Moose Gowron, which is great casting right there. Uh, similar type of guys, just blue collar guys, you know, and, you know, Moose was just a, a treasure every time he'd be in the booth uh, at Sox games. So I had to ask him, I was like, did you, did you meet Moose? And I, you know, you asked him on my behalf, but I, I had to know if he met the real Moose Gowron because anyone who met Moose would certainly remember. And I thought he'd maybe he'd have a story, but uh, not the case, right? He, he never actually no. met him. No, I never met Moose Gowron, but he was just talking about the stories. He, Got it kind of filled in on what who Moose was and looked at a couple of films and such so to get the character down. But yeah, never actually met the Moose Scour. I think he said they did film most of it in Detroit. So he was like he could Oh at the old Tiger Stadium, right? Before they tore it down? Yeah, yeah. So that's what he was talking about. So well, here's yeah, here's he, Moose really Gowran. Why we love Moose right here. Moose, uh, how was it coming here to play for the White Sox? When I you enjoyed it. Chicago, being right? a Chicago boy. School. I mean, being a Chicago boy. Uh, I, I couldn't come to Sox Park when I was young because it was too far. I'd take a bus and go to Wrigley Field. My favorite player with the Sox, uh, with uh, Cubs with Bill Nicholson. And that's when they had Phil Cavaretta, Stanley Hack. Those guys should be in the Hall of Fame, I'll tell you that. Andy Pafko was there. Was Pafko from Chicago? Yeah, Milwaukee. Oh, he was yeah. from Wisconsin. The 0-1 pitch to Quinn. The side spinner towards second. Charging Zobris. Bare hands. Throws. He got him. Nice play. Muscawin safe travels to you. Bring, bring, bring back some stuff we can all talk about on your trip to New York. Okay, I'll be in New York. I'll let you know what's going on when I come back. Take care of yourself. Yeah, That's Muscawin. Thank you. Thank you. DJ, nice seeing you to again. To the sixth Bye. inning. I got my banana south. split. I mean, two guys not with us anymore who I just adore, man. Just uh, that was from one of the, one of the best days of my life, right there. The Mark Burley perfect game broadcast, right there. So, uh, you know, Moose would tell you how he got those big forearms, but I, I will not share that on the podcast here. But yeah, it was uh, that, that was cool. <laughs> love Moose, Miss Moose, and uh, and love Dominic Lombardozzi. And you never know what roads uh, conversation will take you here on Lockdown and White Sox. But um, d- we're already half hour into this piece. Um, Let's should we should let's not get to Tom, huh? Let's not bring the that whole thing over here today. Maybe we can talk about it tomorrow because I'm sure there's more fallout coming. Yeah. But I really, it's really one of the more hilarious things. I'm talking about the apology now that um, that, yeah. oh, that oh I've ever God, seen. It's so absurd. <laughs> well, oh, it's well, absurd all right. It's so great. So Tom said a thing, uh, a slur on the broadcast day and uh it's it's i you know i, I want to say it's not important because i don't want to highlight it for sure but his apology for what he said goes down as an all-time apology i pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith as there's a drive in a deep left field by castellanos <laughs> it will be a home run oh, and so that'll make it a four nothing ball game I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that's baseball for you right there, man. <laughs> you never know what can happen. A guy can hit a home run in the middle of your career ending. I mean, I don't like any of it. I don't, you know, he he did a great job calling games for Fox and baseball games. And, you know, I met him a couple of times. Always cordial when you ask him to come on the radio. So I don't like that his career is ending. I don't like what he said. It was disgusting. Just the brazenness of it. It sounded like he had done it before oh, yeah. um, and i understand the people who were like okay if it was a joke or something like that you give him a pass blah 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 whatever i'm a hard and fast person on that regard you say that like that you've been saying it for a minute and secondly to give you a little inside broadcast 
There's a thing you learn when you're first in broadcasting school, communications, whatever you want to call it. The mic is always hot. The mic is always on. You know, as a longtime veteran, his dad did the damn job for decades. You know the mic is always on. You treat it as such. And the comfortability he felt in that room, whoever was in the room with him, producer, another broadcaster, he felt that he was in like-minded community and he was talking freely. And he was insulting the whole community. And I don't know what, who, what city he was referring to, but also doesn't, that city. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, like, I would usually allow somebody to give a heartfelt apology, which I think his apology was because he got caught, not necessarily because he said the words. And so, well, to I'm their to their credit, the, to their credit, he the did str- he, he did face the music immediately, and they did try to get in front of it. They didn't just they yeah. ushered him out for a little bit, but obviously that was to reprimand him and let him know the situation, what was going on, because while they're doing the game, he probably did not know. So, to their credit, they tried to get in front of it, which I'm always a fan of. Just as far as a public relations aspect alone, just get in front of it. I thought his his apology was sincere to a point. But it seemed like he was more uh, apologetic to his bosses, not people that he offended. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, the the vitriol and the, the the how you heard it. You if you listen to it, and please listen to it because you got to hear the context of what he's what he's saying. It no, absolutely not. He should not be working another major league baseball or any broadcast for the rest of his life because I believe. People like that don't deserve to be in a public forum like that. They have the right to work a job. They have a right to own a business if they want to. They have a right to earn a living. But no one should be forced to listen to what a homophobe says on their broadcast. And you keep those things. I mean, if you want to be that guy, do that shit on your own time. I'm not going to like it, but if you're a broadcaster... 100% you gotta be a guy or girl that is above board and never, never, ever getting to racial slurs or slurs about sexuality or any of that stuff. So, yeah, he can go fucking do something else. Get the fuck out of the radio booth or TV booth. And the Reds don't do it. They're a shit organization. Well, it's going to be a Fox thing, I I speculate, because he's also a Fox employee, as I mentioned, with the NFL. So I, I think you've seen the last of him for a while um but you know i will i'll I'll cap it by saying this you know we've worked in the business for a lot of years we've 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 produced a lot of live sports in our career and i did a lot of baseball games uh i did a, a lot of bears games for two seasons um I've spent a lot of time with with play-by-play guys and people in the industry, you know, producers in the talkback. The Bears broadcast is a very elaborate setup with lots of people communicating because there's a lot going on. That is that's by far the worst thing I've ever heard um, yes. uh, someone say during during that atmosphere of, of a live uh, live sports play-by-play. You know, like that. Like it's just it goes against everything that we do, and you we don't. I mean, you just you don't say things like that ever, especially in front of a live microphone. But it's just not indicative of of our industry, and it's not how things are. 
when we're producing live sports, everyone is, is by and large a professional. And I, I can say that's definitely the worst thing I've ever heard. And I, I wouldn't be out here lying to you say, you know, it doesn't surprise me because it happens all the time. No, it doesn't. That's definitely not the norm. And I think you can probably attest to the same. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm right, right behind you. That's that's why I was so taken aback. Rookie guy, maybe I would be like, OK, OK, that rookie doesn't understand. And also that's ridiculous speak. But this guy knows he understands what's going on with a microphone. He understands what's going on with broadcasting. He meant to do that. I mean, he didn't meant to be on the air and saying that shit, but he knew the audience that he was saying it to. The people in the room were going to be fine with him saying it, and there was going to be no reprimand. I'm glad it got caught. I'm glad it didn't get dumped. I'm glad that he got exposed for who he is. And, yeah, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in a broadcast. I've been doing it for probably the last 15 years of my life. That does it for us tonight, I believe, Herb, unless you got anything else. I got nothing else. Just looking forward to a White Sox sweep of the Tigers. Uh, you got to beat these teams. You got to grab these victories because hell's coming to breakfast. We got a little harder team on the weekend. I understand White Sox fans don't think the Cubs are that good. Team's pretty damn good, and they're going to be throwing their best pitchers at us this weekend. So uh, got to grab a win. Got to grab our 15th win for the Detroit Tigers because we need this win. And then we got to sl- slow down a little bit with the Pirates. And then, again, more hell because the Twins are the weekend after. So for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. Follow us on Twitter is at LockedOnSox. Email us, LockedOnSox at gmail.com for our Mailback Monday. We already got one from our guy Chris Collins today. Oh, so baby. we're going to be ask- answering that question. From our guy Chris Collins, who used to work with us at the score, now successful business dude, and you know got out the business, start making money and shit like that. But we got an email from him. We got a couple yesterday. So if you want to send us one, it's at lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at lockedonsocks. Chris did the Instagram post today at locked on on Instagram on lockedonsocks on Instagram. So go and check that out too. And you can follow Chris individually at Chris Tannehill. Follow me at Ecknerwall23. There's a lot of nonsense I'm going to be writing about. So if you don't like a lot of nonsense, don't follow me at all. You already know I tweet a lot. So shut up. Whatever. So for Chris Tannehill, it's Herb Lawrence. This has been another great, victorious episode of Locked On Socks.